Hi, Vetfolio Boys listeners. I hope this episode finds you well. In this talk, sponsored by Verback, we're going to discuss what goes on with our pets and our patients following a spay or neuter procedure. And obviously, we know there's some anatomical changes, but in this case, we're discussing it specifically as it relates to weight and appetite. We know that weight gain can happen after a spay or neuter, and having conversations with owners about topics like diet and obesity, I mean, it can be difficult and sometimes a little awkward. But I really liked how Dr. Scolavino framed this conversation as one more about animal physiology and making specific diet recommendations. It made it more of a factual and scientific conversation rather than oversimplifying things and making very general recommendations like feed a little bit less, cut out the treats, stay away from the table scraps, and things like that. So I hope you guys get as much out of it as I did, and we can all take it back into the exam rooms and really benefit some pets. As I mentioned, I was joined by Dr. Stacy Scolavino, who was just a delight to talk to. Dr. Scolavino is the Medical Communications Manager for Nutrition at Verback. She's been with Verback for one and a half years, and prior to that, she was a scientific services veterinarian at Royal Canin. Before starting her career in the pet nutrition industry, Dr. Scolavino was a clinician at Red Bank Veterinary Hospital in Tinton Falls, New Jersey. Like I said, she was just a pleasure to talk to, full of fantastic information. Let's go ahead and get into it. All right, I'm here today with Dr. Stacy Scolavino, and we're going to talk about spays and neuters and kind of what happens to our patients after a spay and neuter. I mean, obviously, we know there's some anatomical changes, but we're going to dive into a little bit more about what happens physiologically in these patients. So, Stacy, thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're so excited to have you and let's go ahead and let's just jump right into it. What does happen physiologically following a spay or neuter procedure? I mean, like I mentioned before, obviously there's anatomical differences, but can you give us an overview of what happens physiologically? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously when we're spaying and neutering our dog and cat patients, we're obviously changing their body anatomically, but we're changing it physiologically as well. So we can see both an increase in appetite as well as a decrease in basal metabolic rate after the procedure. And I know a lot of veterinarians, we kind of know, yeah, their caloric needs drop after surgery, but a lot of us are kind of surprised to hear that their appetite actually increases as well. So sex hormones, especially estrogens for those females normally act to subdue or decrease their appetite. Obviously, when we're spaying and neutering our patients, we're taking those sex hormones away and their appetite will increase in turn. And we all know with an increased appetite, we oftentimes will see an increase in caloric intake because of that. So we end up with this increased caloric intake, but we actually have decreased caloric needs. And that, of course, is a recipe for weight gain over time in our spayed and neutered patients. So I knew about the drop in basal metabolic rate, but you're right. I didn't know about the increase in appetite and it, I don't know, it kind of makes me feel bad for all the times I was like, oh, we're going to have to, you know, probably cut them back a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of us know that 
their drop in metabolism happens. And we know they need less calories, but we don't know and we don't really realize that they're actually left more hungry. But those hormonal shifts are doing a lot to their little bodies to change their wants as well as their needs. And you're definitely not the only one that are kind of making those decisions of, you know what, why don't you just feed them a little less? I think a lot of us do that in practice. It paints these foreign bodies like in a whole new light to me. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, I was a general practitioner myself for many years. So I was a general practitioner for 10 years at Red Bank Veterinary Hospital prior to going into the animal nutrition industry. And I had a case, we'll name him guacamole just to kind of uh, protect the innocent. That wasn't really his name, but But he wanted to eat a lot of guacamole. Oh, (laughs) he wanted to eat a lot of guacamole and he surely did. So I neutered him around six months of age and his owners asked, you know, we have a neighbor down the street. They have a pug. He got really chubby when he was older. We don't want that fate for guacamole. What should we do? And I told them, you know what? Why don't you just feed him a little bit less and we'll reassess when he comes back in a year. And sure enough, fast forward six months, he came in for his annual and he had gotten downright obese. So he had gained a whole bunch of weight. And I think that happens a lot with our patients on a daily basis. Sure. I absolutely, I can attest being in general practice that we see that very regularly and kind of knowing that that's going to happen, which, you know, is going to add a level of difficulty in maintaining our pets, maintaining our patients at a healthy body weight. I think it's important that we take a minute and just review the huge array of benefits that come with spaying and neutering our pets. Oh, absolutely. You know, we kind of started with kind of like the bad news as it pertains to spay and neuter. But as we know, the good far outweighs the bad from preventing life-threatening uterine infections to preventing prostatic disease and testicular cancer and decreasing risk for mammary cancer. And of course, decreasing that risk for pet overpopulation. So spaying and neutering really has to stay a priority for the overall health and welfare of our patients. We just need to have this understanding really of what's occurring within their bodies after the procedure so that we can step in and address them proactively to be sure we keep them at a healthy weight for the length of their life. Sure. Thinking about treating a septic pyometra makes me feel like managing their weight is something, is a challenge I'm willing to take on. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So how many pets truly are overweight? I mean, I feel like we see a lot of them in the exam room, but do you have numbers that tell us how many pets are really overweight? Yeah, you know, and same with me. I just feel like seeing a patient that came through the door in my exam room, that was an ideal body weight. It was like spotting a unicorn, right? Right. It was like (laughs) so so weird to see it. Yeah. And, you know, the data is backing our feelings up. So a recent survey by the Association of Pet Obesity and Prevention actually found that over 50% of both our dog and our cat patients are being diagnosed as overweight and obese every day. And of those that are diagnosed as being either obese or overweight, only 10% actually ever go on to lose the weight. And of those that do, 40% will just regain it within a year. So it really has reached really epic proportions here in the States. Goodness gracious. And what do you feel like most vets are doing to combat this issue? I mean, we talked about the, hey, why don't you feed them a little bit less? Is that kind of the primary approach or are you hearing about and seeing other approaches that veterinarians are taking? 
Yeah, so it can be really hard. So we're confronted with so many dogs and cats, as we know, walking through our clinic door every day that are overweight and or obese can be really intimidating to know how to address it. So Rebecca actually did a survey of over 150 veterinarians just last year, and we were really looking to see what we as veterinarians are doing nutritionally, specifically after spay and neuter, to address those lower caloric requirements of our patients. And what we found was really interesting. So for those veterinarians that were making a nutritional recommendation at all, they were recommending either to feed less of the puppy or kitten diet, similar to what I did with guacamole, or they were recommending that they transition the patient onto an adult diet after their surgery. And when they were transitioning their patients to an adult diet after surgery, they really were doing this as a way to cut calories, given many puppy and kitten diets are gonna be much higher in calories as compared to their adult diet counterparts. It's really important that we remember, though, that puppy and kitten diets are not just more calorically dense, they're more nutrient dense as well. And they have more nutrients to address the higher nutritional needs that these puppies and kittens need as they're growing. And AFCO recommendations for growth for essential amino acids, fatty acids, vitamins, and minerals are actually oftentimes double that than what the adult maintenance diet requirements are. So if we're transitioning these puppies or kittens too early, we could be setting them up for malnutrition for the long term. Very similarly, when we're just telling just feed less, we're cutting the amount of food in that food bowl. So yeah, we're cutting calories, but we're cutting nutrients too, nutrients they need for healthy growth and nutrients to help them feel full. So it's important that we start taking a more proactive approach and start making definitive recommendations on what to feed for our patients after spay and neuter. Goodness sakes. And I will say like listening to what happens physiologically to these pets and the things that you're saying about the number of pets that are overweight and why they never lose the weight. I'm like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, they have some cards stacked up against them, right? <laughs> absolutely. Like these, these poor creatures. I'm like, yeah. okay, I feel totally different about this now. So I absolutely, like I said, have been in the camp of, yeah, just feed them a little bit less or, you know, transition to a weight loss diet or something like that. And we, as veterinarians, you know, we have this kind of basic nutrition knowledge in our heads. And I think sometimes we might take for granted that the owner will know what to do. And instead, you know, I, I think of people standing in this pet food aisle going, okay, what are they talking about? Like, what's a good diet? What's not a good diet? I feel like it could probably get pretty confusing for pet owners. Oh, absolutely. You know, and AHA actually recommends that we make definitive nutritional recommendations on exactly what to feed and how much to feed for our patients. So not just for therapeutic diets, but for wellness diets as well. And really a critical step to an effective proactive weight management strategy is to make a definitive recommendation. So a recent study actually showed that pet owners that received a definitive recommendation were seven times more likely to follow through with that veterinary recommendation as compared when they were given an ambiguous one. And, you know, Dr. Cassie, you said, just looking at a shelf full of different options, right? Like that really resonates with me. So just a few weeks ago, I went and got my hair cut and colored and my, I live in the Northeast. It's cold here. My hair is very dry. So I asked 
what should I use for shampoo? You know, I want a specific recommendation. And my hairdresser who I've been seeing for years, I adore her. She walked me over to like their numerous options for shampoos and conditioners. And she said, you know, you know what, Stacey, any of these will do, just pick one. And I probably only had like eight to 10 options. Nothing compared to what our pet owners deal with when they go to PetSmart or Petco, right? They have so many options in front of them. And I was intimidated just from eight to 10. And because she didn't tell me what to pick, I left with nothing. And then, you know, right now my hair is probably pretty dry because of it. Cause I would just went and got something at CVS. So, so, you know, definitely make those definitive recommendations. If your clients are asking for one, they'll follow through with it. And it really is best medicine and best client and best patient care. So feel empowered to make those definitive recommendations. Absolutely. I mean, I ran out of my own dog's food. I did not plan appropriately. And I wanted to get something over the counter just to get me through for like a couple of days. And I knew for the most part what I was looking at. And I was still a little bit overwhelmed by all the options. It really is. It can be mind boggling. And then a lot of times if we tell them just go over and for example, get any weight management diet over the counter. Well, studies tell us that there are huge variations in caloric density of these weight management diets, huge differences in the amount that these companies are telling the clients to feed their dogs and cats. So you never really know what they're going to get. So, you know, take onus of that and be more in control of those recommendations that you're making. So that way we know exactly how many calories our patients are taking in in a day. Absolutely. Cause it's rare, but it does happen from time to time that we see those like great weight management cases. I'm thinking of a little dachshund patient of mine. She's the cutest thing. And she was quite overweight when I met her. And I I did make a specific recommendation. I said, I want you to feed this food. I want you to feed this much. And I want her to weigh this many pounds. You know, obviously we'll see what she looks like if she starts to lose weight. And this one came back at that exact weight I recommended. And I went, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's such a wonderful story. You know, I think a lot of times where I, I would sometimes feel defeated, right? Like, oh, are yeah. they going to listen to me anyways? And they are, you guys, like our, our veterinary clients, they have a lot of respect for us. They listen to us and they want these recommendations. So Dr. Cassie, that is an awesome, inspiring story that hopefully a lot of us will take back to our own practice and follow through with. You know, it's like conceptually, I think we get it, but to have that specific story, I think kind of brings it home where it's like, oh yeah, no, that does make sense. Yeah. So remind us, why is it so important to keep our pets at a healthy weight? You know, I think many of us have a general understanding of this, but can you break it down for us a little bit? Yeah. You know, so I think all of us in the veterinary community, whether we're veterinarians or veterinary healthcare team members, we all understand the numerous benefits of keeping our patients fit and trim. So from a decrease in orthopedic disease to a decreased risk for insulin resistance and diabetes, and just an overall increased quality of life, as well as an increased lifespan. There was a study done several years ago where they looked at two different groups of Labrador retrievers from the time that they were puppies around eight weeks of age until they passed away. And one group they had calorically restricted so that they maintained an ideal body weight. And the other group they allowed to eat a little bit more. And those dogs ended up with a body score about six to seven out of nine. So they were overweight, but not obese. And those dogs that had their calories restricted and stayed in ideal body condition actually lived nearly two years longer than those dogs that were allowed to be overweight. So sometimes in practice, when I would say all the health benefits of keeping our patients fit and trim, 
him, my clients would kind of shake their head. Yeah, yeah. They probably hear it from their own medical doctors as well. But once you tell them, you know what, that dog or cat that you love so much is such an integral part of your life, they actually could live two years longer. If you keep them fit and trim, I think that really can resonate with our clients. Yeah, two years. Like my mm-hmm. eyes got huge when you said that. I went, that, that's a long time. Yeah, it's amazing. And you know, it really wasn't these huge variations, but it can make a big difference. Wow. I think that gives us a huge talking point when we're, when we're talking to clients about this. Absolutely. Yeah. And on that note, what suggestions do you have for us for taking a more proactive approach to this issue these, you kind of touched on it. These conversations can be challenging. We do kind of sometimes get shrugged off of like, yeah, you tell us that every year and let's move on. So do you have any tips that might make that conversation a little bit easier? Yeah. Yeah. So first off, when we're taking this proactive approach, a really great place to go for additional information is AHA. So we're really lucky that AHA just came out with their new nutrition and weight management guidelines just last year. This is a really great way to help us kind of navigate the weight management waters, if you will. And that can be downloaded for free. It's open access online. And at one point within the guidelines, they state it's easier to prevent weight gain than it is to treat obesity. So they really want us to kind of think about this differently and take a more proactive approach to weight management rather than just a reactive one. And as part of this proactive approach, AHA recommends that we understand risk factors associated with the development of obesity from human factors such as overfeeding to animal factors such as breed predispositions to weight gain, as well as understanding that spaying and neutering is indeed a risk factor for obesity development as well. You know, you had said, what are some tips to like make the conversation easier? So sometimes conversations around weight management, they can get a little uncomfortable, right? They can get a little kind of sticky. Yeah. So trying to take the emotion out of it can really help. So discussing weight gain and the risk for weight gain in conjunction with animal factors such as being spayed and neutered can make it a more physiologic conversation rather than an emotional one. And this can be a really great segue into to that weight management discussion with your patients. Sure. Rather than you need to do something different, you're not doing the right thing for your pet, doing what you're doing right now. Instead, it's there's these physiological factors that are, are playing a role in what's happening. And so we need to take a more active role in managing what's happening internally. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not just their fault, right? There are other things that are happening within their dog or cat's body that we have the ability now to address. So it's not just that they're feeding too much. There are things that we can address on the pet side as well. Sure, sure. And I I love the aha tools. And I think that that's a great tip for having that conversation with owners. What about like physical tools that can help us with managing our patient's weight? Yeah, absolutely. So again, given spay and neuter is a primary risk factor for the development of obesity, we want to utilize tools that can address those physiologic changes that are occurring after surgery. So we want to be able to address that increase in appetite and that decrease in metabolic rate. So Verbac's new veterinary HPM spay and neuter diets were really designed to do just that. So veterinary HPM is prioritizing calories from proteins, and this will help to support lean muscle mass, and that can help to support their changing metabolism. Veterinary HPM will also provide nutrients, namely protein and fiber, and this will help with that feeling of fullness to help with satiety and appetite control. And finally, veterinary HPM will be calorically balanced to meet those lower caloric needs of our patients after they've been spayed or neutered. 
Yes. And still satiating these poor hungry critters. Absolutely. And that's a huge piece of the puzzle, right? We have to be sure that our pets are not begging because we know our clients are going to go into those begging cues and that's going to sabotage any attempt that we have of a weight management plan. <laughs> oh, absolutely. If you've ever talked to an owner, which, you know, 10 years in general practice, I'm sure we both have, who says, you know, my cat wakes me up at four in the morning by standing on my face until, you know, I put food in the bowl, then, you know, that's not going to last very long. We have to find another way to, to satisfy this kitty. Absolutely. And I think you may have stole that story from my life because <laughs> that literally <laughs> happened to me. Um, oh, no. I, had a new, I had a new baby and my baby was sleeping, but my cat was waking me up and I was oh, like, no. something's got to change. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, of course, diet changes, I think, are, are a staple of our recommendations when we're talking to owners about having their pets lose weight. How is HPM different from another over-the-counter weight loss diet? Yeah, so many over-the-counter weight loss diets, they may be calorically restricted, but they may not be providing nutrients to aid with appetite support, which we chat about how important that is, or to support their metabolism. And these two are really critical components of a diet that's going to be effective in addressing those needs of our spayed and neutered pets. Also, many over-the-counter weight loss diets, they're going to be formulated for adult maintenance. So they oftentimes are not formulated to meet the needs of the growing puppy or kitten. So Verbeck has actually created a new life stage with our veterinary HPM junior diets. These junior diets, I sometimes call them our teenager diets. So they're really <laughs> diets that are tailored for those puppies and kittens that have been spayed or neutered. So they have lower caloric requirements, but they still need all the nutrients for healthy growth and development. So we don't need to choose, you know, maybe we'll just feed less like I did with guacamole. We don't need to worry about switching them to an adult diet that may be associated with nutrient deficiency. We now have a unique tailored nutrition option to meet really their new unique needs. Stacey, I've loved this whole conversation. I feel like it's really kind of changed my perception of that conversation that we're having with owners in the exam room and what we're asking of them. So thank you so much for being here to talk about all of this. Are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with us? Yeah. And thank you so much for having us. It's been so much fun. The biggest thing I want to remind everybody is that, you know, we as veterinarians, we as the veterinary healthcare team, we are the nutritional experts as it pertains to our patients. So it's not the pet store clerk or, you know, your client's neighbor down the street or Dr. Google. <laughs> really, we are. And I want to remind everyone that our, our clients believe that and they know that. So a recent study found that 90% of pet owners they want a nutritional recommendation from us as the veterinarian. So they want to hear these nutritional recommendations for us. Unfortunately, the study also told us that only 15% reported actually receiving one. So we do have some, some room here for improvement as the veterinary community, but I really want us to feel empowered to make those definitive nutritional recommendations, not just around therapeutic diets, but wellness diets as well. Our clients are looking for it. And AHA is actually telling us that really is what best medicine looks like. Also important to remember, best medicine and best business practices can go hand in hand. So veterinary HPM is a veterinary exclusive wellness diet option that will be available for purchase by your clients from the veterinary clinic directly or through Verbeck's new e-commerce platform, iVet.com. And with iVet, your clients can get the food delivered direct to their doorstep, but the veterinary clinic will still receive cash credits for each client. 
purchase. So Verbeck is really trying to make it as easy as possible for us as veterinarians to make those definitive nutritional recommendations that we can play a huge part in proactive weight management for our patients after they've been spayed and neutered. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you again for joining us. Like I said, this has been hugely eye-opening. So I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much, Dr. Cassie. Do you guys see what I mean? A physiological, factual, scientific conversation resulting in specific recommendations to make those talks around pet weight and obesity just a lot easier in the exam room. I want to say a big thank you to Dr. Scolavino for joining me for this episode. Thank you to Verback for making it possible. And thank you to all of you out there for tuning in. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this episode, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day. Thank you.